Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. The Mi'kmaq practice of playing hockey appeared in colonial histories from as early as the 18th century, and the Mi'kmaq are credited with inventing the ice hockey stick. In 1863, a company in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia began to sell the Mi'kmaq hockey sticks nationally and internationally. In the early 20th century, the Mi'kmaq hockey stick was the best-selling hockey stick in Canada. By 1903, apart from farming, the main occupation of the Mi'kmaq on reserves in Nova Scotia was producing the Mi'kmaq hockey stick. The Department of Indian Affairs for Nova Scotia noted in 1927 that the Mi'kmaq remained the experts at making hockey sticks. The Mi'kmaq continued to make hockey sticks until the 1930s when the product was industrialized. Our guest this week is Elder Calvin White. Many of you will know Mr. White from his pioneering work on behalf of the Mi'kmaq in Newfoundland. He helped to form the group which later became the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. He was one of the petitioners in the litigation against the Government of Canada that eventually resulted in the recognition of the Halibut. He's the former chief of the Flat Bay Band. In recognition of these and others of his life activities, Elder White will be awarded an Honorary Doctor of Laws degree by Memorial University at Convocation in Cornerbrook next month. Not only is it an appropriate honor for Mr. White himself, it's also a sign of the changing attitudes towards the Mi'kmaq struggle by the province and its institutions. I asked Mr. White about the degree and for his reflections on how far we've come, how far we have to go, and on his cousin, former Chief Brendan Shepard. Let me start by saying uh, congratulations on getting the... uh the award, and um, I suppose that's a good sign because uh, as well as um, as paying respects to you for all your important work, it indicates some uh, change in attitude on the provincial government. We've moved on from the Joey Smallwood days. Uh, I, I believe so. I think I think we've moved off uh, not a long time ago, but uh, a short time ago. I, I you know the 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 relationship with the uh, with the province. I know from our community here in Flat Bay, and myself as uh, one of the uh, volunteer people with our with our council in a in a different capacity. Uh, we found that the relationship over the last um, five years, actually, yeah, four or five years, has been uh, has been really good with the provincial government. So we've moved a long way since the, uh, yeah, since the Joey Smallwood denial. Now, um, now right now, uh, I guess we're, we're in the middle of uh, very good times in terms of so many people finding out about their, their Mi'kmaq heritage and very challenging times with the, uh, with the enrollment issue. What are your feelings? Are you feeling uh, optimistic, pessimistic, or somewhere in the middle no i'm i'm uh, i'm i'm optimistic you know that that uh, a- anything and everything has growing pains and i think that uh, even though we've been in existence for some uh, i've been i've been involved in the movement for like 46 47 years now i believe it is somewhere around that and uh, and uh, 
I think that uh, you know in the earlier years in my involvement it was it was very trying and and it was it was a lot of work and uh, uh, there wasn't a very lot of people who wanted to stand up and I can understand that but uh, we got over that and uh, a lot of people came forward and there's people coming forward every day and and uh, uh, I think that that's a good thing I think you know that. Uh, it, it's it's all about education, and and uh, once people get educated and feel comfortable, uh, I'm 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 sure that that was the uh, or I, at least I hope that that was the purpose behind the uh, behind the numbers and uh, behind the people that's come forward. So right now we're going through some uh, difficult times, I guess, with all of the controversy and whatever over the uh, the process and the registration process and that. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll work itself out, and uh, you know, and better times will come. Yeah. Now, I saw uh, your uh, your comments at the recent meeting uh, out your way where Chief Brendan Mitchell was in attendance, and you made a very passionate intervention about the uh, the enrollment issue and so many people, so many people who should be on the list being left off, including um, some of your own uh, your own children and and families in the in Flat Bay who. Um, Everyone knows are are Mi'kmaq, but they're not on the list. And you you use the word crisis to describe the situation in which we're uh, we're in. And I wonder what uh, what you meant uh, by saying we're in a crisis. Well, well, I guess what I what I was trying to do, even though I I, I realized that sometimes my my passion gets the better of me, but I I was very sincere and and I wanted to uh, I wanted to get a strong message to. Uh, to the chief, uh, you know that, that that this situation and maybe maybe crisis was not the proper description of it, but it is it is a very serious uh, matter, and uh, the the fact of the matter is is that yes, there are some people from our community who uh, uh, who you know rightfully deserve to be on that founders list. Uh, n- no question about that. Our community was one of the two communities that were the surviving communities in Newfoundland with regard to Aboriginal identity and Aboriginal culture and, and the other being Con River. You know, we're, we're, we were the uh, we were the cornerstones, if you wish, for this whole revival. And uh, there were a lot of reasons why that happened. One, I guess, or, uh, would be because of the isolation. Uh, Con River was an isolated community up until, you know, sometime around the 80s. Uh, our community here was an isolated community until close to 60, sometime in 57, 58, before we had a connection to the outside. And uh, with that kind of insulation, uh, or isolation, I mean, it was uh, it was somewhat easy to uh, to live your, your, you know, your own way of life, your traditional way of life, with not a lot of outside interference. Government were never, ever concerned about us. We were too small and too minimum that, to make any difference, so... Once in a while, a politician came in, but that was only during the election time, and, and you never ever see them again. So we were, I call it a blessing to have been isolated, to have been able to maintain that identity. And while we, uh, uh, along as well as the Con River people, and while there was some integration, uh, there was never any assimilation. We've always maintained, you know, Aboriginal values, Aboriginal uh, philosophy, Aboriginal uh, way of life, and uh, and, and now to uh, that night when I was speaking to Mitchell, uh, realizing you know that that there are a number of our people who uh, who had no escape from their identity, even if they had tried to escape, because 
of uh, of the uh, the upbringing and the lifestyles that they live. And apart from that, you know, our neighbors uh, weren't uh, very generous with regard to allowing us to assimilate, even if we wanted to. So I was uh, I was passionate, yes, but I was also hurt because um, uh, I think that due diligence had not been done. Uh, when the applications of the uh, Flat Bay people, and of course other people too, but in particular in this particular case, because I was in Flat Bay, which is my home, and I was talking about Flat Bay people, is that uh, you know is that somebody dropped the ball when it comes to assessing the applications of uh, of those true Ilnu people who had always been Ilnu people from way way back, and most of those people. And I realize I'm being long-winded here, but most of those people, they're not only did their grandparents, but their parents declared themselves in the 1945 census. So if you talk about self-identity, our people were identifying themselves here in Flat Bay before we even joined Confederation. Were you, I understand you were at one of the meetings uh, with the uh, chief and the Halbo delegation at uh, Indigenous Affairs in, in Ottawa recently. Yes, that's right. Uh, Chief Mitchell asked me if I would uh, if I would come along and uh, and speak to uh, and speak to the issue. And uh, I, uh, I certainly uh, uh, welcomed the opportunity and uh, and I accompanied them. Yes, to to a meeting in uh, in Ottawa. And did you get the impression that um, there's going to be any significant movement from the federal government? And well, um... the... The the impression I got was that uh, I believe that the anomalies and and God knows there were many of them, I I think that the anomalies is something that they were very sincere about uh, um, looking at and, and not only because uh, uh, not and not because there was any sympathy or anything from Indian Affairs, but for the simple reason that you know you just can't have twins, one person uh, being recognized and the other one being denied, and you can't have uh, you know. A, six, seven, eight-year-old children in the home being accepted uh, and the parents being denied. These kind of things have to be certainly looked at uh, because there was uh, far from due diligence done on these files. And and I got the feeling in that meeting that those people, you know, realized that uh, that things that had happened here that was uh, certainly need to be looked at. And, and, uh, and while there were no commitments and uh, uh, there was uh, certainly a strong indication that uh, that that would be given due consideration. And of course, the uh, the Federation of Newfoundland Indians has put in an appeal on its own on behalf of uh, uh, just over three thousand people. So there might be, I guess, several thousand people who will be added to the current eighteen when the anomalies are fixed and um, if the uh, FNI is successful in this appeal. So we might be back toward the. Uh, 24,000 um, that it was before this, um, before some people lost their cards. So that would make it w- the Halibu uh, one of the largest uh, First Nation uh, First Nations in Canada. But still, there'll be people uh, inevitably, I guess, who will not, you will not get a card. And how do you think that will that will go down? Do you think that um, there'll always be a division between? people with cards and and without or uh, what what do you see the the future in yeah, that situation I, I, I don't no I, I i don't really see a division between people with cards and people without cards i see i see a a uh, i see a, a throwback towards the government i see people who are not going to be successful 
in in obtaining um, a card. I see some of those people, many of those people, uh, holding you know government and and, and bureaucracy accountable. Um, I don't think that they'll hold. Uh, you know, uh, uh, hopefully they won't hold other people who've obtained their card accountable because those other people have absolutely no control over this. You know, it's it's uh, it's not my brother's fault if. Uh, if he gets a card and I don't get one, you know, so so I I hope that people are mature enough, and I think that they are, and and that we don't start uh, uh, fighting with each other over something that we had absolutely no control over. So I'm I'm you know that's that's not a concern, but um, but it is a concern that if there are people out there, and I'm, I'm assuming that there will be people out there who are who are legitimate and who are entitled, if there's not a process. Uh, uh, that can be put in place to make sure that those people uh, receive what they're uh, what they're rightfully and entitled to. Do you think when it all all this um, winds down, that um, the interest uh, will remain in Mi'kmaq culture, especially from people who have the ancestry but but not the card? Yeah. Here, here's here's what I'm finding, and I'll I'll be very honest and open with you. What I what I'm finding is that people who are who are very legitimate. And and have uh, have done their family research and have the historical documentation to substantiate their eligibility. What I'm finding is that those people have have discovered something that they've become very proud of, and and want very much to be part of. And uh, and I don't think that is going to make a difference to many of those people whether they have a card or not. I think they're going to pursue the learning, they're going to pursue the involvement, and they're going to pursue uh, their commitment and support to what I call. Uh, the founding of our nation. Now, obviously, and and there's there's no question about that. We you know we we all know that that there are people uh, who are attracted because uh, because they viewed uh, benefits from uh, from ha- having a card, and uh, and some of those people are going to go away. And it doesn't mean that they weren't legitimate. It just means that their interest at the at the time and and even at this time is not sparked because they found out. Who they are, and they found out that they have an identity, and they found out that they have a culture, and they're very proud, and they want to be part of that. Their interest was because they saw some monetary gain with regard to some of the vendors from having a card, and uh, and those people will go away, and and that's that's normal behavior for people, in no matter what was happening, whether it was Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal. That just uh, you know that just. The, the the normal things that uh, people do in life. So uh, yeah, some of them will go away, but a lot of them, card or no card, will stay and be very supportive and uh, grow with the organization. You've been involved in in things from for a long time, for a lot of a lot of your life, and back to the to the 1970s and the um, beginning of groups uh, even before the. Uh, the FNI, and you you went to court uh, in 2010 to make sure that everyone had a chance to to make their application. So you've um, you've been involved uh, for a long time. And looking back, do you think that um, of all the people who were involved in the actual negotiations of the agreement to get the Halo recognized, do you think everyone did as best as they could? Um, and we should give them the benefit of the doubt, or do you think that things could have been done differently so that we weren't in the uh, the difficult situation we are we are now? Yeah, well, 
I I look at it from from the perspective that uh, you know I I don't think there's any doubt that people did as well as they possibly could. Uh, you know I I think that that's a given. I don't think that people went out and deliberately tried to create the mess that we're in now. I I you know I I, I that's not a thought that ever crossed my mind. But I think what might have happened is that is that in various different cases, uh, people were vulnerable. And uh, and perhaps there should have been a larger contingent uh, with regard to uh, looking at the uh, at the process, uh, because I really I really believe I sincerely believe that the government took advantage of the vulnerability of uh, of the leadership at the time and uh, and and uh, manipulated uh, uh, what they thought was going to be uh, you know an, an easy process with minimum numbers because. Uh, uh, government has been playing this game for 150 years. You know, they've been trying to get rid of Indians, and and it hasn't changed. It's still it's status quo. Uh, so I, I I really think that uh, that government taught uh, uh, people were vulnerable, but uh, I think that it may have backfired in this particular case. And now they have, uh, you know, they have a situation on their hands that I'm sure that lots of people up there are scratching their head on. Are you are you thinking specifically of the negotiation of the agreement in principle? The negotiation of the agreement in principle, uh, that was something that was brought to the to the membership, and the membership uh, supported that by, by large numbers. So uh, the membership has to take responsibility for that because uh, they had a chance to have their say. However, I'll jump ahead to what I suspect will be your next question. When it comes to the supplementary agreement, the membership had absolutely no say or no involvement in that whatsoever, and I think that that was a blunder. Now... Uh, chief, the former chief, Brendan Shepard, um, lives in Flat Bay, and Flat Bay, I think, is a place that's small enough that uh, you probably see him uh, around town. Um, have you and he had any discussion about um, about uh, how things unfolded and and whether he has any regrets about the way things are? Yeah, uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, no, we haven't had any discussions. I, I, we exchanged readings as early as yesterday when uh, we were ice fishing together in the same area, and that. But we never talked about uh, about the issue or about the process. And uh, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Mr. Shepard has some regrets with regard to some of the things that has happened because there are members of his own family that have been left out, and I'm sure that was never his intent. And and actually, to be quite honest with you. Uh, uh, Brendan is family with me. I mean, we 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 have the same line. He's my grandfather, and his grandmother was sister and brother. So most of the people here in Flat Bay are connected. And you know, I I uh, I doubt very much, and I I wouldn't want to believe that uh, that you know that as Chief Brendan Shepherd went out with intentions of uh, of uh, leaving people out. I, I you know that that that's the last thing that would cross my mind. And I'm sure that he's you know I'm sure that he's saddened by the fact that. Uh, some of his own family, and uh, along with many other people, of course, but some of his own family is out. Now, um, so going forward, um, this uh, the enrollment uh, process. We're at the the end of one of one stage, and people have put in their appeals. And I guess over the next year, um, they'll hear back from their appeals and um, and whether they're successful or not. So what? What do you see over the next period of time? Are you thinking that things will will quieten down and people will will uh, just wait for the for the appeals, um, or do you expect uh, other things to go on, other 
other action uh, in the meantime? Yeah, well, there there'll be there'll be a small there'll be a small number of people, uh, as there is in in every society and everything that uh, human nature is involved in. There'll be a small number of people that will continue to call names and insult people on Facebook and 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 run off at the mouth. And these things are normal. This is going to happen. That's human nature, uh, being what human nature said, but true. So some of those things will continue, but it'll continue on a minimum. The 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 more the more intelligent. Uh, people will, uh, once the appeal process is uh, finalized, which is only another couple of days, uh, and that'll be the end of being able to appeal, uh, those people will settle in now and they'll wait to see what the result of the appeal is going to be. And in the meantime, uh, I would suspect and I, I sincerely believe that some of the people who've not been successful with regard to having the opportunity to appeal, but feel that they rightfully belong there, We'll uh, we'll look at court challenges, and I suspect that uh, this is not over. I suspect that you know that's a quite possibility that uh, it may be over for uh, for some of us who've maintained our status, and it may be over for some of the people who will uh, who will retain their status uh, based on their on their appeals. Uh, but um, but this is a long ways from over. I I see I see very lengthy court challenges, and and I see this uh, ongoing for. Uh, uh, a number of years. Mr. White, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for all all your work and congratulations on your award. No doubt we'll be hearing from you as uh, as the thing unfolds. Well, thank you very much, sir, for your call. Elder Calvin White speaking to me from Flat Bay. And the Bay St. George powwow takes place in Flat Bay this year on July 14, 15, and 16. And... That's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to Halibut artist Marcus Goss for permission to use Celebration Time. Follow us on Twitter at Mi'kmaq Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, mi'kmaq-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.